When it comes to streaming video, one of the most common things overlooked is audio. Well, mixing audio with your live streaming doesn't have to be a chore. Today, we get some great tips from a seasoned pro, next on the Church Solutions Podcast. It's the Church Solutions Podcast, brought to you by StreamingChurch.tv. The Church Solutions Podcast is all about helping you and your church with technology and other resources for your life and ministry. Now, here are your hosts, Steve Lacey and Phil Thompson. It's the Church Solutions Podcast. My name is Phil Thompson. Thanks for being with us today. Steve Lacey is normally with us, but uh, he's gone again. He's gone gone like two weeks in a row, and uh, this time I think he's going skiing up in Flagstaff. So good for him. And I'm going to head to the beach probably tomorrow for a few days myself in San Diego. We're in Tucson, in case anybody cares or even wonders about that. Uh, but thanks for being with us today. We're glad that you are uh, part of our Church Solutions podcast. And uh, just a, a couple uh, housekeeping notes here. Uh, we are having a webinar coming up March 12th. And it's not, it's it's uh, the title of the webinar is 12 Tips to Making Your Easter Streaming Service Successful. So we're going to go over some tips uh, that will help you uh, get ready for Easter. It's March 31st. And uh, uh, hopefully you're hearing this before uh, March 12th. So you can sign up for our webinar. It's free. It's going to be about a half hour long. We'll do some Q&A afterwards. And uh, you just subscribe to it. You can just reserve your seat, I guess, is the term we like to use. Uh, just go to webinar.streamingchurch.tv. And you can sign up there for free. And uh, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get you up to date on things happening there, give you a link to the webinar. And that is March 12th. It's going to be 12 noon Eastern time. And so we hope that you'll join us. And while you go to webinar.streamingchurch.tv, you can also see there's a past webinars you can click a link on and you can look at some of the webinars we've done over the past. We did a lot last year, but we've done webinars for a long time. So uh, we've got a bunch of them out there. Hopefully we'll help your church or your ministry. Okay, well, without further ado, let me uh, get to our guest today. This is episode number 420, and today's returning guest, I can't believe it's been almost seven years since the last time we had him on. Uh, he is a person that's, that was fascinated, fascinated but with sound as well as electricity from a very early age. Uh, he's got a love for music and technical gear, and uh, he's actually made sound engineering and systems integration uh, part of his natural pursuit. He loves it. He has spent uh, the last 25 years performing and touring in bands as a drummer, also mixing live sound for churches, schools, and theaters, and uh, also working as an audio systems and installer and designer. He's a jack of all trades. Uh, he's uh, definitely involved in in, in all these uh, technical fields, but uh, one of the things that our guest loves the most, and that is making things simple easy to use for everyday people like you and me. And uh, he's got a passion for this. He wrote a book, he's written several books. One of them is called Great Sound, Great Church Sound, Great Church Sound. And he's got other books. And again, they're available all over the place, different languages and uh, colleges use them, universities use them. Uh, so, hey, you might want to check it out. Great Church Sound. So, Please welcome to the Church Solutions Podcast again, James Wassum. James, how are you today? 
Howdy. I'm doing great, Phil. Thanks for having me back. It's uh, it's great to be here. And yeah, hard to believe it's been seven years. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty wild. It's been a while. I don't know why. I always say, you know, whenever we do a guest, hey, we'll have you back on soon, you know, and then seven right. or eight years pass and we don't we don't have you on. But we're glad we got you on today because audio, I want to talk about mixing audio again for your streaming video. I mean, audio is so important. And uh, of course, we're a company, streamingchurch.tv, that, that provides uh, streaming video for uh, our customers, for churches and ministries. And uh, unfortunately, we we tend to run across this a lot with many ministries and churches is the the video is not bad. It's dialed in pretty good, but the audio, it can be a little rough sometimes. And so uh, I want to talk a little bit about that because audio is so important. And I've always rung this, this bell that audio is, in, I mean, in some ways, maybe even a little more important in your video. And I don't know if you agree with that or not, but we'll get into that. Uh, but it's important. So let me jump in and ask you a couple of questions. What is what's really the common mistakes that you see churches make when it comes to mixing their audio with their live streaming events? And and how can those things be avoided? Well, uh, one of the big ones is not actually checking the levels that are on the stream. Right. So we listen on headphones at the mixing console or maybe even at the computer and we're like, oh, great. Yep. Sounds good. We're good. Sound checks. Great. Line checks are good. Um, let's push it out. And then nobody thinks to pull it up on a phone, listen to it through Bluetooth speakers or, or pull it up on a speaker phone or whatever device people are listening on. And let's face it, more often than not, it's going to be a mobile device of some type. Uh, or an iPad or tablet or something. Maybe you're at your computer with speakers, but most of the time it's through headphones. And if your live stream doesn't sound good through these little tiny earbuds, um, people are going to turn out, tune out. I mean, it's it's just it's it's a fact of life. I mean, think about your recent phone conversations or Zoom calls or whatever where the audio has been glitchy. How often? Were you like, oh, yeah, I'll sit through this for an hour. No, I'm gone. I'm leaving because I can't hear. I can't comprehend. I can't engage with that. And so audio, I believe, and I am biased, but I believe it's 100% way more valuable to get the audio right than the video. I'll put up with bad lighting. I'll put up with a bad camera angle. But if your audio is bad, I'm gone. It's so true. And and I can relate to even just phone calls I have with people. Uh, you know, I, it hasn't been too bad lately, but I, I run across these people that have their phone. I think they have their phone uh, tucked in their neck or something. And so so it's muffled, you know, and and uh, I, I gave up that years ago. I just tell the person, uh, hello, stop talking. You need to move your phone or something because you're muffled. And, uh, you know, especially when you're trying to do tech support for somebody and, and their, their phone is stuck down by their neck, uh, it's not a good thing. But, yeah, it, it's really it, it's just so hard, hard to tolerate. And uh, that's why it's so important. So, you know, you've been doing this for a long time. What are some of the challenges that you have faced personally when it comes to mixing audio and, and, and live streaming? I mean, you've been in different churches, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming different uh -huh. ministries. What, what's a big challenge yeah. that you had? 
Well, one of the early ones uh, growing up in the industry and trying to learn what was going on was was this mystical thing about EQ and mixing with levels. And as a young sound guy or an inexperienced sound person, I mean, the, I'm sure most people can relate. You think that most of mixing is actually with volume control. And, and that is not terribly wrong, but it's actually more important to get your frequencies balanced and things really balanced well sonically not just with volume it's not about how loud something is all the time it's about how well it fits in the mix with other instruments and i didn't fully appreciate that early on in my sound development and education um, it wasn't until i really started listening to recorded music very critically, like listening, how did they build this mix? How did they make it sound so full and rich and and just textured? And it wasn't that the guitar was screaming loud or the piano was, you know, full and overpowering everything. It wasn't that at all. All the instruments sat in their place. And um, I ran across this book kind of that talked about three-dimensional mixing. Uh, I think it was by David Gibson, but um, it talks about visualization of these instruments in this three-dimensional space and how you can mix with not only levels, but panning and EQ, and then even a little bit of reverb to kind of position instruments within that mix and vocals and things like that. And that totally changed my world in terms of approaching a mix and really helped refine how I did what I did behind the console. Most churches don't have a degreed sound engineer, audio engineer. I, I would say most probably don't. And I'm sure there's people listening to this podcast right now saying, yeah, I know this is a challenge, but how can I learn? Uh, I don't, you know, I can't go off and get a degree in something. Uh, what would you suggest for somebody listening to this podcast? And yeah, I want to get better at what I'm doing. Where should I start? Yeah, that, that's a great question. That's exactly what started me on my journey with Great Church Sound and some of the educational resources and the book and training is that I I was a professional. I was doing this as my day job, right? Doing sound systems and training and, and installing and designing. And, but there was nobody helping the church market. And even I, I became a leader pretty quickly just because it was my job kind of thing. But I handed, I remember handing a book to one of my volunteers. It was the Yamaha Guide to Sound Reinforcement. Amazing book. I love it. It's great for geeks. If you're a geek, get that book on sound. But the eyes glazed over. It was like, no, I'm not reading this massive textbook on pro audio. It's like, I don't have time for that. I can't even comprehend half the physics in there, right? And that's totally fine. You don't need to. What, what's important is understanding just a few basics and setting up your uh, mixing console with you know the gain structure, what I call the garbage in, garbage out knob. If it's not set up so that you're getting good quality, full sound into one channel at a time, you're not going to get great sound out of that channel. You can't fix that, even with a fancy mixing console. So you start at the top of the console and you work your way down. And with EQ, people think of that as kind of a a black art sort of thing, you know? It's like, oh, this is this magical tool. How am I ever gonna master it? It really starts with the basics. Even a three band EQ of high, mid and low frequencies, 
you can affect a lot of change on your signals by playing around with those. One of the most powerful things in EQ that I learned early on was cutting out low frequencies from most of the instruments on the stage. Um, and that cleared up my sound immensely because it created space for the bass guitar or those lower notes in the piano. Um, and I got rid of all that muddiness that was in the mix just by removing some of the lows. Same thing with vocals. You don't need all those bassy, throaty vocals in your mix necessarily um, if you want the vocals to come out on top. So you play around with those things and, and it's really practicing. Um, do it in a safe space. Like don't do your practice during Sunday morning services, right? I mean, you should be practicing during sound checks. Um, if you have a friend that plays guitar or sings, or you can have a trio of folks on stage, that's a great place to practice because you can focus on those individual parts in an, in a low risk environment and learn what every knob on your console does. And again, you only have to learn one channel and then apply it to all the other channels on your board. So it, it, it's step-by-step step and, and start with the basics. Don't reach for that compressor or the reverb. Don't try to go crazy with parametric EQ. Just start with the simple stuff. Hmm. That's good advice. So some of these things you mentioned, I, I guess I would call them equipment or tools. Do you have any go-to tools uh, and software for audio and video mixing? Well, I think one of the most powerful tools is the ones you have available, right? <laughs> Those are, what, what, I mean, use what you've got. Um, so if you've got an analog mixing console, you might be limited to what tools you have and, and you may need to add a couple key software or outboard gear tools that can totally change your mix. So let's start there since that's the most basic setup. Let's say you're a small church, you've got an analog console, maybe you've got a three band EQ if you're lucky, Maybe it's two bands, you know, whatever it is, high and low. But you start there, you try to get your mix dialed in. And let's think about the live stream in particular. When you send that out to the computer, is that its own mix? Or is it a, uh, a parallel mix with your main house feed, right? Is it what's going to the speaker? The same as what's going to your computer. Well, um, typically what you have to do with a live stream mix is you really should be compressing it. Um, even, even just a little bit, I would argue mostly a lot bit. Um, you know, some my go-to compression settings are somewhere between 10 to one or 20 to one. Um, and now why is that? Let me jump in. Why do you need yeah. to compress it so much? That's a great question. And we kind of covered this earlier that listening to the mix, the final live stream sound, what happens is it might sound great in the room, but we have room acoustics. We have the sound on the stage that we're hearing fundamentally in the room that might not even be through the loudspeakers. But what is the listener on the other end of that stream hearing? They're hearing a totally different paradigm and that's not in, influenced as much by room acoustics. So what we do is we compress that signal, meaning we contain it right? We have the floor, the bottom end of the signal and the top end of the signal, and we bring that together. So it's a nice tight audio package. So you get rid of the peaks and valleys, those differences between the loudest sound and the quietest sound, and you compress it. And basically it, it's what you hear on the radio. If you listen to regular old radio, 
um, you'll hear a, a lot of compression. And the reason for that is to control the dynamic range, the difference between low and high or loud and soft. And you deliver that in a very compact package so that I'm not straining to hear something that's quiet and I'm not blown out by something that's super loud. And so that's why compression is so important for live streaming. Because if I have you in my ears and I'm really straining to hear something and I turn it up and then all of somebody, somebody bangs a snare drum or a cymbal and you know, my ears are shot, you know, the rest of the day. So um, it's a pretty important tool to use and it helps uh, you, you increase the quality of your live stream immensely. Mm, that's good stuff. So uh, let's talk just real practical here because I'm sure there's people wondering about this. All right, so they have a live encoder for streaming video and they, either they have it on their computer software or they have, you know, a box, some hardware, you know, like an Epifan device or Teradek device or something else that's hardware. Uh, let's see if I can explain this right. I, I remember at my church many moons ago, we had uh, one of our guys set up what he called an isolator. So he had, uh, you know, they had the typical house sound mixing, but then he had this isolator set up where uh, there was a whole, it went to a whole different area, like the back room where he actually mixed the sound for the internet. Mark Small and Tony Harrison, in case they're listening, uh, those guys did that. And, and that's how they they mixed it down. And it sounded really good. But but there's other ways to do this. I mean, what do you think is the best way? And remember, we're talking a church of probably 150, 300 people on an average. What do you think is the best way for people to, to get the sound into the encoder so that it's, you know, not terrible <laughs> so that's <Well>, good <laughs> yeah so there's two scenarios one is you're basically harvesting one mix and using the main feed the other is that you're able to create a sub mix whether that's in a back room somewhere or whether that's on one console and it's the main desk so let's take an analog board or, or a digital board that's a little more simple you're going to take a parallel feed so to speak ideally it will be volume controlled off its own auxiliary output channel uh, you're not just going to patch into the main outputs necessarily what you don't want to have happen is that you adjust the main output for the room and your live stream output goes up at the same right. time right you want at least that segmentation between the live output to the room and the live output to the computer so you take your channels and maybe that's as simple as a post fader selection to an auxiliary group and you send that out to the computer. Make sure you put a compressor between the mixing console and the computer if you have one. They make very uh, cheap, uh, you know, economically viable uh, compressors that you can do that, just a little hardware piece you put in line with the cable. Or in the computer, even free streaming softwares have this, like OBS and some of the others. Um, you can use a compressor plugin on the audio input for OBS. Um, some of the hardware encoders also have this built in. Um, you might have to go through the menus and try to configure that depending on the type of hardware you've got. But doing a little bit of compression on that feed in will help immensely with that. So that's the simple route. The other route and kind of an intermediate route without a dedicated streaming console for your mix is to take, let's say, a digital console and you have these different auxiliary or matrix buses. You might have a layer underneath your main 
console for the live room that you can switch over to and mix a totally separate mix with the same uh, set of inputs, but now you're mixing to that auxiliary channel separately and it's not at all tied to your main room. And you can mix that appropriately and then you can even apply a compressor on the digital console to that main output to the computer. So you can do 90% of the heavy lifting with your audio on one console for both the live feed in the room and a live streaming feed. And even some of the um, entry-level digital consoles are offering some of that opportunity now. Uh, Allen and Heath, Behringer, you know, some of these consoles that are very popular in small and medium-sized churches give you some of that utility. Um, and that can be very powerful. And then, like you said, a more advanced solution is basically splitting off your each of your audio inputs. One goes to a live sound console, the other goes to a production console. And that console, you're getting the same sources in, but vastly different processing. Every channel has a different EQ. You're applying different effects and compression, and it's a totally different mix. And like you said, yeah, often it's in a back room somewhere. You have zero influence of the room acoustics or you're not even hearing that stuff. It's just what you get from the stage. And uh, hopefully we can talk about this as well later, but hopefully some room mics. You need some room tone in your mix. That gives you that ambiance and that space uh, to create that well, atmosphere on the live stream. Elaborate on that a little bit. That That's a good point. Tell us a little more about that. Yeah, so one of my mistakes early on with live streaming was like, well, great, everything sounds good. I've got I've got my sources. It's clear and clean and and very straightforward, right? Um, and and that that works great. Um, but it was missing something, right? I didn't feel as a listener. I would go and and I would do this actually. I would walk into a totally different room, and if it helped, I'd even turn the lights off and just focus on the audio. And how did how was I feeling about that mix? Like, well, technically, yes, I can hear all of these things, but did I feel like I was in the room with that mix? Was I brought into that engaging space? And most of the time I was not because it was too sterile, right? The mix was too sterile. So how do you liven that up a bit without getting too, you know, boomy or reverby or things like that? Uh, well, you add some room mics. And so what you do is you, ideally you have a stereo pair, but you can do this with just one microphone. Um, you put it in the room and you capture the essence of that room, some of the acoustic space. And you gotta be careful because you don't mix that super loud in the mix. It's right. underneath all this other stuff and it adds that extra texture that helps you feel as a listener, like you're in a space. You're just not, there in digital nowhere listening to this sound, you're actually in a room and it sounds like you're in a room. And you add just enough of that to give that sense of being there. Um, you have to be careful if you're doing this on one console that does your main mix and your stream mix because you don't want to send the room mic back into the main loudspeakers or you will get feedback, guaranteed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I can relate to this a little bit because I, uh... I, I was a, a senior pastor for a number of years and an executive pastor for a long time. And a lot of time, and I did a lot of the speaking at my churches and I can remember, uh, and I, I don't know where I get this at, but I, I tend to inject a lot of humor in my messages, probably too much. I had somebody tell me one time, you know, you're making a good point and then you turn it into something funny. It's like, I'm sorry. That's just the way I am. But, uh, 
one of the things I noticed was uh, in, in one setup, I would make comments and, and, and people would laugh and you could kind of get the feel that your members were, you know, uh, laughing at what you said, a joke you said, or, or something you, you said that was humorous, you know. Uh, but but if I listened to it on tape, I couldn't hear anybody's anybody's responses, anybody's reactions. And then when we added some microphones uh, later on, when I would crack a stupid joke, people would laugh and you would hear it on the tape. <laughs> you know, and, and it's I just felt like it added to to the presentation, not just my presentation, obviously, but anybody that was up there speaking, you know, when you when you make a remark or say something. Uh, or if you're in a church that's it, really enthusiastic about what you're, what you're saying, amens, and people excited about it, you know, when that shows up in the recording or in the live stream, it it, it really adds to the experience for the people viewing or, or listening. It really does. And, and that's where we talk about the audio being connected with the visual side of it. And, um, you know, uh, the technical term, I guess, would be the psychoacoustics of that mix or that space. You know, how is that engaging you psychologically and, and how is that inviting you in to participate? Yeah, yeah. So important. It really, th these are little things that aren't really, they're not that complicated to do, right? I mean, you know, you can add a lot to what you're doing with your live streaming or even just recording audio by by adding some of these things we were just talking about, right? It's, it's not overly expensive. It's not overly complicated. No, what, what I will say and the mistake a lot of people make with live streaming is, is not preparing enough for that live stream. Um, let's say you're used to running uh, your, your worship services day in, day out, every week, whatever it is. And you're like, yeah, this is great. We've got this sound thing figured out. Well, now you introduce live streaming to it and you're like, okay, great. Well, I just plug this in, hit the red button and I go live. Uh, not quite, right? So, I mean, hopefully it gets to that point. Uh, but in the beginning, and especially if you haven't really got it perfected the way you like it, it takes an extra 30 minutes or an hour or, or a day to set up for some of these live stream mixes, depending on how complicated it is. And if you're approaching this for the very first time, and especially if you're gearing up for an Easter service where you've got a lot more stuff coming or you've got a lot more things distracting you in the mixing environment, um, you want to be extra prepared for what that technical challenge is going to be and do more sound checks. Check every stage of that audio and video through the entire process from from the microphones on stage, the mixing console, the different layers on your console, the computer, the encoding hardware, and then monitoring the live stream itself as a test all the way through from start to finish and, and take the time to really analyze each component. Yeah, and especially for special events like Easter coming up or or uh, some other special service, you you want to have a heads up. What what's going on? Is there going to be special speakers? Is there going to be special music? Is there going to be somebody different getting up on the platform? Uh, you know, all that stuff you, you want to be prepared for. But again, I, I think everything if, if you can create a routine, and I know the special event. We're not talking a special event here with a routine, but for your Sunday presentations or Sunday nights or Wednesday nights, if you have a routine and you're doing those things you just said and they're a routine, it, it doesn't it doesn't become so overwhelming. 
right it, it, it's like okay this is part of what we do here and we've got a checklist and we go through it and and you get into a, a habit of doing it and and uh it makes life a lot easier okay we're almost out of time here a couple of things i want to say uh, by the way i i wrote a blog uh and i didn't put your link in it but i'm going to put a link for more information uh the link is greatchurchsound.com right yep that's yep. right yep uh, I, i'll put it i i wrote the blog and but uh, by the time people hear this podcast uh, I'll, I'll definitely make sure uh that if people want more information from from a real expert uh they can they can go to greatchurchsound.com and i'll put that in the blog the blog is blog.streamingchurch.tv and we've got lots of information on on all sorts of stuff uh let me let me before we wrap up here uh here's a psychological one or whatever uh and i'll skip that one let's talk about the future real quick what 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 kind of predictions do you have when it comes to streaming and audio and streaming and the whole thing when it, for the near future here, especially factoring in that those two letters, AI? Do you see AI involved in 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 any of this that we're talking about or something that we haven't haven't even covered when it comes to audio and streaming and all that stuff? Yeah, I, I, I do think, uh, you know, the low hanging fruit on that, the easy one for me to think of is, uh, this goes back away ways, probably date ourselves, but pop up video, you know, how you'd have live streaming and you'd have all these interesting facts or things you could explore about what was being talked about um, with, with uh, more responsive AI and, and faster experiential uh, opportunities there, you're going to be able to drill down into the content in live streaming in real time. So you'll be able to explore what was this person talking about? Where can I find out more? Um, can it automatically display on a sidebar relevant notes or the transcript in real time or, or these other adjunct things to the live stream uh, environment? And I think the other untapped thing that we're starting to see is that you've got this more immersive environment with VR or augmented reality. So AI, VR, um, and AR, uh, and, and you've got more and more of, of the opportunity in app development around delivering these experiences where you're wearing a headset or, or what have you, and you can actually engage that way. So you're going to see a lot more of that come out live streaming, um, as bandwidth gets better and more reliable, we're going to see more of those opportunities come out. It's still tough with live streaming because it's live um, and that's the big challenge. So we have to take these in stages, but it's getting better and better every day. So I see that becoming more of a production uh, focus as we move forward. There was a recent survey that came out, I think, a month or two ago, saying that many church leaders were still a little bit uncomfortable with AI. Uh, what's your thoughts on on that from your perspective? Are you comfortable with AI? Do you think uh, it's a good thing for the ministries and churches? Well, it, it's a tool like any other tool, right? I think we were uncomfortable with sound reinforcement. For a long time and so in fact some denominations and churches don't use sound live sound reinforcement at all other than for the spoken word maybe um others use it uh incredibly i mean they, they wouldn't have a church without live sound right so i think like any tool there's a process and to me most importantly it's it's just like when i teach a mixing console 
use the tools that you have and know why you're using the tool. Don't just go out and look for an AI thing just because it's cool and, oh, I heard this is what we should be doing. No, know why you're using it in your ministry and for the function in your ministry that it's supposed to fulfill, and, and you'll be fine. Um, I, I, there's no reason to be afraid of AI or any other technology inherently you just need to understand why you're using it and then learn the tool, like really learn what you need to learn to use it effectively. Uh, that That's the way I approach most technical challenges. Yeah, good. I think that's great advice. All right. James Wassum has been our guest today on the Church Solutions Podcast, and you, you can go to greatchurchsound.com and uh, uh, check that out. Check out his books and stuff. He's got some great material that I think uh, will really enhance what you're trying to do at your church. And, and James, I don't know why it took us seven years, but we need to have you back on a little sooner. Yeah, maybe three and a half years. There you go. <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that in half. All right, sounds good. Well, thank you, James. And uh, folks, thank you for being a part of the Church Solutions Podcast. Be sure and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. We're always open to your feedback and and uh, anything you want to give us, we we are very open to helping your church and ministry. And you can always reach out to us at streamingchurch.tv uh, if you want some more information and you miss some of this information, we can get it to you from James. All right. Thanks again, James. We appreciate your time. You're welcome. Thank you, Phil. And folks, uh, please take care of yourselves and each other. And we'll catch you again on another episode of the Church Solutions Podcast. I'm Phil Thompson.